what's happening with you today what up, man hey 34 inch ultra wide monitor setup right here <clears throat> loving it mm. if i understand it correctly it is a curved monitor so now i have to ask the curved. question it is also curved do you see the benefits of a curved monitor and your usage of this curved monitor yeah i do for one it looks cool so that <laughs> it just looks the aesthetic is pleasing uh, in the yeah second okay. Secondly, uh, I play video games. Mm -hmm. Not frequently, but like on the off chance that I get to play a video game, uh, I did play one last week to test it. It is very immersive. Mm. Like the screen just keeps going and going because I'm using a little peripheral. It also mm -hmm. helps with seeing more of the game than I could have in the past. So one uh, thing I know we have often received feedback that um, getting our pragmatic viewpoint on things is helpful. And this is a great example of why your pragmatic viewpoint on a curved monitor, when I've never used one, is helpful to me to understand that I have no need for one at this time. Well, thirdly, the thing that you would actually get something out of is my editing workflows for video and audio <clears throat> are amazing because I can <clears throat> an hour's worth of video content and not have to zoom all the way. I mean, I can still zoom, <clears throat> the but, but I yeah. can everything. It's just... It's a beautiful monitor for doing all the editing and cuts. Uh, and that that is the that probably should be number one, but let's be honest. Gaming is more fun. <laughs> Welcome back to the More in Common Podcast. It's season five. It's Black History Month. I'm Keith, your yeah. co-host, with my man, Rodney. Rodney, what's going on today? What it is, what it does. Look, it's season five. Keith said it. We're here, and we're all about this thing called compassionate conversation. A core tenet of compassion is just because someone deserves it. Like, they just deserve it because they deserve it. Just because they're human. That's it. No other reason. Doesn't mean you agree with them. Doesn't mean that they're right or wrong. You're right or wrong. And that's what we're exploring. That's what we're trying to get to in these conversations. We're trying to get better at it. Hopefully, you're trying to get better at it. And uh, we had an amazing conversation today. We had an amazing conversation with Kwame Damon Mason. He is the creator of the documentary film soul on ice past present and future and yep. it's just he's just a he, i mean first he's just a chill dude that makes it easy to have conversation and we talk about the use of the word racism and yep. contrasting it with prejudice and bigotry and we talk about black history and hockey and his experience with hockey and Really, we talk about sports and their integration with with uh, minorities and where hockey stands on that spectrum. So it's Black History Month, and we're super happy to have had this conversation. And I just got to say that the the Soul and Ice, go see it. It's on. You can get it on Amazon Prime. If you're not a Prime subscriber, you can still buy it through Amazon. Highly, highly recommend it. Uh, it was very emotional and like po positive emotional experience for me. Um, but go go learn something about some black hockey players. It'll blow your mind. That's right. And before we get it going, I just want to remind you, 
get out to moreincommonent.com, moreincommonent.com. That's where you're going to find everything about us. You can continue helping us anchor humanity and compassionate conversation. Let's get it in. Let's go. Then now I'm going in and I'm watching these games. I'm just like, oh, snap. This game is insane live, like the energy. And then I would look at George and I would think to myself, man, it's too bad he didn't have a couple of other brothers that were playing with him. And they should. And I would think about what if LeBron James's parents put him in on the ice? What if Shaquille O'Neal's parents put him on the ice or Kobe Bryant's parents put him on the ice? And I'd just be thinking like that. And then I'd go home and I'd start, yeah, I'd start Googling black hockey players and I'd learn a little bit more. And then I, I learned about the Colored Hockey League of the Maritimes in 1895 to around 1925, 1930. And that blew me away, man, because here I am, a hockey fan living in Canada, in Canada, the home of hockey, and nobody, no sports, no newspaper. I know I never nobody talked about this hockey league that was around. I heard about the Negro Baseball League, and that wasn't even the Canadian thing. All right, we're going to take a little break here. I want to tell you about something pretty amazing that we stumbled upon. A little ways back, we interviewed this amazing dude, Kwame Bowen, and he shared with me after the episode that his mother is a poet. And what's awesome about that is that he has all of her writings and all her poems, but what he doesn't have is her reading them. That inspired Keith and I to then start recording videos for our daughters. And... As we started recording those videos, we started running into the challenges, the challenges of where are we going to send them to our daughters? How are we going to get them to them? Where are we going to save them? Is it going to be Google Drive? Is it going to be OneDrive? And then along came GIFPod. It's an audio memory that you can record and give as a private podcast. What they're going to do is edit, add music, and produce the audio that you provide them into a professional podcast that you can share with your family members for any purpose. We use it for our daughters in the future. All right, so check it out. In the write-up for this podcast, you're going to see a link to GiftPod. If you use promo code MIC10, you're going to get a discount. And uh, leave some amazing memories for your friends, family, loved ones, maybe for yourself. Why don't you time capsule this for yourself? I don't know. So check them out. Giveagiftpod.com. MIC10 promo code. Kwame Damon Mason has been working in the Canadian entertainment industry since 1996. Kwame got his name out there thanks to popular radio stations like Kiss 92.5 in Toronto, where he hosted a two-hour hip-hop and R&B show, The Vibe. And in 2001, Kwame became the weekend announcer on Toronto's first urban radio station, Flow 93.5. He's used his experience and expertise to help launch countless radio stations across Canada. Kwame recently completed his first feature documentary film, Soul on Ice, Past, Present, and Future, a documentary about the history and contribution of black athletes in hockey. The film won Best Picture at the 2015 Edmonton International Film Festival, recently had its American television debut on the NHL Network. He's no stranger to hard work and perseverance. Kwame sacrificed everything he had to make his debut film, including selling his home, moving back from Alberta to Ontario. The time 
had come to invest in himself and pursue one of his biggest dreams. Kwame hopes to continue to create culturally vital documentary projects showcasing diversity, history, and the untold stories of those who need to be heard. Kwame, welcome to the show, my man. Thanks for joining us. No, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. This is dope. It's good, and we're excited to have you on the show. Yeah. Now, to start this conversation, because this is something I think about all too often, but it's a, based on an interview you, you had back in 2015, right after the release of Soul on Ice. Okay. You mentioned that you don't think the underreporting of the Colored Hockey League is necessarily due to racism. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that because the word racism is a very powerful word and we should be careful how we use it. And I yeah. happen to very much agree, as um, I think we need to be better using our words between bigotry, prejudice, racism. Yes. Um, because it becomes counterproductive, right? To eliminate, mm-hmm. to eliminating racist institutions if we just say everything and everyone is racist. Yeah. And yeah. then people get on the defensive. So five years anniversary of, of the documentary, of that interview... Do you still consider it to be the case um, with the use oh, of the yeah. word racist? Yeah, yeah, I, I totally do. Because I think what it is when it came to speaking about or promoting or celebrating the history and the contribution of black athletes in hockey, you're dealing with an industry that for how many, how many years the industry has been predominantly white. So for them to now talk about something that's not, in their household, like, I, I just don't believe that the industry ever really cared about anything else but what they were doing. Mm. So we're going to talk about Boom Boom Jeffreyon. We're going to talk about Jean Plant. We're going to talk about Wayne Gretzky. We're, we're going to talk about this. This is what we're talking about. All that other stuff, that's going to take extra effort for me to now go and f- learn about something that isn't a part of my day-to-day. Like, why would I do that? And that's, mm. I mean, that's not right. But I, I'm just saying, like, for them in that time, it wasn't, it's, it was no interest to them. So I don't think they were just trying to be, like, trying to hold the man, you know, hold the brothers down. It was just like, yo, we don't care about the brothers. We're just doing us. And so it's a shame because if they did do, do that, when they had the chance to, the game of hockey, you wouldn't have that mention of the game of hockey being number four. Like, you can debate the top three sports in America. You could debate it. It could be either basketball, baseball, football. You could debate which one's number one. Number four is not debatable. It mm-hmm. could be debated. It could be debated now to say, is it four or is it five? Is it as soccer overcame hockey? Is it. But for years, hockey stayed at number four and it was there. And the only reason why it was there is because the game didn't grow to minority communities. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. That's just a fact. Like, I mean, there's nobody to debate. I, I would debate that with anybody. I'd be like, yo, why are you number four? Don't tell me because America don't got ice and this part. Like, there's so many, like, that's just excuses. It's like yeah. the excuse of saying, you know, black people don't play hockey because it's too cold or the ankles are too small. I'm like, what do you? Don't make excuses for something that's just, you know, and nobody's mad at you. If you want to be number four, be number four. But don't say it's number four because of America. No, it's because you didn't popularize the game to minorities. 
Basketball is popularized by everybody, every community. Baseball is popularized in every community. Football, every community. Hockey? You know, is it surprising that the one game that is the one not most popular, is not a very popular sport, is the one sport that it does not, that did not traditionally traditionally promote itself to minority communities. It's not coincidental that it's number four. So that's on you. You know what I mean? To me, the industry, I'm like, I'm not arguing with you about that. That's on you. But if you want to step up your game, you're going to have to promote it to minority communities. And that's why I said, like, yo, I, want, I don't think you were trying to be racist about it. I just thought I just thought you were just trying to be like, well, I don't care about that. It's got nothing to do with me. Hmm. It's interesting two of the games that aren't the biggest soccer and hockey have I'm trying to well, think growing up yeah i was gonna well, say in, in, gotta, in the u.s in, in the u.s okay good yeah yeah in the u.s in the u.s for sure and it's growing it's growing for sure yeah here i remember growing up soccer i like i was good but uh, when i got invited to play on travel teams couldn't afford it. Like it was very expensive. And like to, to be on travel teams was the only way to get seen and actually like really grow. Like the local team was nothing. Um, hockey. Mm -hmm. I I'm guessing there's a, well, actually I'm not even guessing cause Sol and ice talk about it. Uh, the cost, like when you walk in, you gotta get your pads, you gotta get your equipment, you gotta get uh, ice time. Um, but then at the same time, football is not cheap. Like you gotta get all your pads, uh, so I wonder if there's a cost component, but I think it's more about like what you said. It's not it's not promoted to certain groups, mm -hmm. which may yeah. be results of racism, results of in, results of institutions. It, 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 there is it's a very expensive sport. No one's going to deny that. And I, but I think predominantly like a football and baseball soccer like you know there is going to be a cost involved some way shape or form and i think that's the easiest thing to direct the lack of participation of minorities in the game of hockey is by saying it's too expensive it's too expensive and it is true but by saying that you're also saying that they're black and hispanic and asian people don't have money like none of them have no like none of us got money. Well, something I learned yesterday, the median income in this country yeah. of a white family is $171,000. Medium right. net worth. Medium net worth. Medium net worth. Um, you want to guess what it is for a for a black family? 30 something? Mm -mm. 17. 17. 17,000. 17,000 net worth. 10 10 times. 10 yeah. times it's a huge problem and i think i think and that's just net worth i think the average savings for for a black family in america is less than a hundred dollars or something like that well it's got to be i mean yeah how are you gonna save 17 what how are you gonna yeah. save seventeen thousand yeah. yeah. dollars? Yeah. yeah so yeah so yes so in that respect you know what i mean like there is you know that cost factor in hockey has always been there and you know no one's denying that I don't think, you know, but again, there are still, even though the average black family's income may be that low, there are still above average people. Mm -hmm. So what were they doing? Uh, absolutely. Like, what so, were they doing? So would you, 
So I, I kind of want to unpack this a little bit, especially as we talk about the, the, the words. Um, there is clearly prejudice that plays into the, into the mindset of people that says, yeah, black people don't play hockey. Cause I, until I read about you, I didn't, I never heard the small ankles thing before. Um, yeah. can't believe that's a thing. Um, but certainly, you know, black people don't like colds, don't like ice. Like that's clearly why. So that prejudice that to your point, isn't necessarily racism. Um, but would you say that in the early days, hockey was exclusionary, mm. but today it's not necessarily that hockey isn't excluding black people from hockey. The reality is like, unlike football, which has promoted football to all demographics and economic levels and made it available in, in high schools where, you know, you can get equipment and you can do all this stuff, but it's just not promoting itself to everybody. Therefore it's excluding, but it's not necessarily doing it with a uh, racial intent, at least in the modern day. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with that. I, I, I think that, um, most, most industries have a community and hockey has a community and that community has gone on for generation and generation. And for people of color, you may come in, you may come out, but you don't have that huge group that through generation and generation become and grow bigger and bigger. So it looks to be very, um, elitist or you know this group you know and you gotta think of your inaccessible maybe yeah inaccessible yeah and then you gotta think of ice rinks and where they are especially in the united states like i mean canada there's shoot like five minutes from here is an ice right right i want to go half an hour i can go find ice for half an hour if i want to go an hour i can find an ice rink. but if i want to see if i want to go 10 minutes to find an ice rink, i can find an ice rink you know and that's in the major city like in new york you can't do that like in New York of all places, come on, there should be ice rinks all over the place, mm. but there's not, you know? Um, so yeah. And then, and, and again, I think for America, it's hockey's never been a priority as far as participation goes and fitness and all that. No one really thought, no one really thinks of skating as a way of getting fit. Soccer, you go play soccer in the park. Yeah, you know, you're running around with the guys, you get fit. Basketball, you go out there, you get fit. Go jogging. Play some football on the weekend. Throw the baseball. But no one thinks about going on the ice and skating around as a form of physical activity, you know? And so, but here in Canada, you you talk about that as physical activity. So, you know, we've invested in it a little bit more. So now when it comes to, in Canada, I, I mean, Canada, we have no excuse why more minority kids should be playing the game. We have no excuse because it's all over. It always just goes to me back to the idea of promotion and what you see. So when you go to these local rinks, like you're not seeing, it's not a very diverse looking, you know? So if you're a black parent and you want to put your kid in, you, you got to get over that hump. That's the one hump you have to go through first. When you walk into that room, it's like, I got my kid. And, you know, my kid is, he's three and a half. He's almost three and a half. And I know for the first little while, whenever I go take him skating, 
I'm not seeing more black families that I could just give the black head nod to. I got to see, I got to see everybody else, and I got to be like, hey, you know, uh, yeah, and 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 do it that way. But in the back of my mind, thinking like, damn, like I can't be the only black person with a three year old that's out here trying to get this kid on me. I just can't be. You know what? What's what's everybody else doing? What are you guys doing? What are you doing in the winter? Like you know, especially during COVID. Like, come on, man. So, if it's like that here in Canada, I can't imagine what it's going to be like in the states. Fast forward to your son. It, he's the only black kid out there on ice. Frequently, you yeah. had the same experience. What got you into it though? Like, where'd you get the idea of hockey? I mean, I guess it's all around, right? You can't. I mean, like, can you, I mean, can you like, avoid hockey in Canada? Yeah, you can't really you can't really avoid it. There's not somebody. You it'd be crazy to find somebody that says what what's that? Like you can never get that here, you know. Um, So for me, it's just like before I remember myself, I I had a hockey stick in my hand. You know what I mean? I got baby pictures with me, and I don't even. I'm like I don't remember that. You know, Um, it's just the Canadian thing. I always say. You know, if you're an immigrant to Canada, as soon as you get in, they give you as soon as you get your passport, you get your hockey stick. I say when you're when you're born, you know, they don't give you a soother, they give you a hockey stick. Like we just Funny. just what it is. And then the neighborhood that I grew up in, like, you know, was, these are the days when you could go out in the streets and play till sun up till sundown. And it's like if you got a neighborhood full of kids in the winter, they're gonna be playing uh, mm. road hockey. And that's how we did it. Like, we just played roller hockey every day as much as possible. And then, you know, I didn't I didn't get the, you know, it's, it's not until I moved this one neighborhood and the ice rink, you know, like, I, you know, I got our first pair of skates and, you know, they were crappy. But, you know, when I first got my first pair of hockey skates, you know, I don't even remember how I learned. I just went out there and just figured it out, you know, and we'd have the little... Mm-hmm basketball courts that when it when it iced over we'd make it into a hockey rink and we'd just go out there and you bring your gloves and bring your hockey sticks and you just go out there and play shinny hockey and then class you know you had skate days everybody gets their skates you go in like so you know you just my public school right like literally over the hill like you walk two minutes there's a skate the fence side public school fence side arena you would you know and Every week, it's just so, like skating. So this is fascinating to me. So there's, yeah. I'm just like trying to figure out the barrier. You mentioned one thing, like you can't see it. Like if you're a black parent, you take your kid. Like there's no other black kids there, so that that's a barrier. It's hard to be what you can't see. Some people say it's like, so that's a barrier. But like, are there any other harder barriers? Or on the other side yeah. of that, are the are the white families pushing back? Like you, you, yeah. Don't play hockey. I, you can't I don't play think hockey. It, I don't think it's a barrier. It's not a sense that it's a barrier. It's a, it's a, uh, okay, well, you know, I, I just, okay, I'm just here, you know, and I don't see anybody else that I can, another parent I can communicate with the way I want to. And I don't think that has to be a problem, but you know what I mean? Like you just, sometimes you just want to be around people that look like you. I'd love for mm-hmm. my kid to see kids that look like him skate. Because I, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean, like, I don't want him to grow up and have that mindset that he's the only one that does that. And if he has other black friends, it's just like he's like, 
oh, you guys don't do this, but this is what I do. And, you know, and I don't want, I want, I want him to just have a very nice multicultural group of friends that skate. And I'd like to be like, my son is a kid who likes to watch other people do things and then mimic it or, or he's attracted to it. So, you know, he used to, he used to skate with a red bar and he just had a fear. He just wouldn't let it go, but he was fat. Like he could just whip on that thing. And I'd be like, yo, you gotta let that go. And he wouldn't let it go. And there's all this, this other little white kid around the same age. He was just whipping around. And he was just like, yo, and they became little buddies. He got rid of his bar and you know what I mean? And so then he started skating. So I would love to see that with another black kid. You know what I mean? And you just you just don't see it. So I don't know if it's a barrier, it's just one of those things that's just it's just it just sucks. It just what, sucks. What know? what kept you into it? Hockey? Yeah. Um, God, I, you know what? I, I, you know, I played soccer for 14 years and, you know, uh, I, I was very, uh, I was a very aggressive athlete. So hockey is that aggression that I always loved. Um, I stopped watching hockey for, not say I stopped watching it, but it wasn't on the, on the brain like it is now. I stopped for a while. And I think the reason why I stopped for a while is because, again, I, you know, I was, as a young man, trying to find myself, I was very pro-Black in what we, you know, hip-hop, breakdancing, rapping, you know, all that stuff that, you know, was, as a young man, you're discovering about yourself and reading about Malcolm and Martin and all that stuff. And this hockey just never, hockey just never... It just never had. There was nothing there for me, so I'd still watch it. Mm. But I was just like, "Eh, let me just watch some basketball because I see some flavor there, and I'm trying to I'm trying to see myself." And it wasn't until I was a little bit older, and I remember watching Jerome McGillna play for the first time in like Calgary, and there's another black guy playing, and he was so good. And then I just stepped in my head. It's just like you know, forget putting yourself in this box. Like it too. It you know what. Yeah, it sucks that not a lot of black people, I don't see a lot of black people, but I like the sport, so I don't care. And I'm just going to get back into it. So I think for me, it was just, it's the greatest sport, man. Like there's, like when it comes to athleticism, you know, everybody's, you know, you could debate that. Obviously, everybody's going to have their thing. But man, there ain't nothing like having someone go, what, like 30 miles an hour on two-inch blades with a hockey stick and a little putt. Like, yo, that is, if you ever watch Connor McDavid go at full speed, that's the most beautiful thing to ever see, you know? It is one of the most wonderful sports to watch. <clears throat> and I watch I it every it chance I can. I'm a, yeah. Your point about athletics, too. Like, just the line changes happening, uh, real fluid in the game, because people, like, those... Skate, skate chasing like a puck at sprint. full speed for a minute and a half at a time. It's wild. Tackle, minute and a half, you're probably... Yeah. If, you're out, if you're out there a minute and a half going full tilt, you're, you're, you're sucking Dunzo. air. Yeah. Dunzo. You're sucking yeah. Um, air. I want to ask a question real quick. It's weird. So you, you were into it. Yeah. Then you got into this, like, real pro-black phase. Didn't see it. Back to that whole, you're not seeing yeah. yourself in it. And then came back. You're like, nah, forget that. Where did you come up? When did you come up with the idea to make Soul on Ice? Mm. Um, 2005, I moved out to Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, for those who don't know. And I was a radio announcer. 
Um, I, I, I was in radio all my whole career was about 14 years in radio. So I moved out there for a radio job. And if anybody knows Edmonton, Edmonton, like that's a hockey town. Um, I would equate that if you have um, listeners in Minnesota, it's like that. Like it's just hockey. Actually, Minnesota is probably even deeper than that because it's a much bigger place. But as far as the love for the game, uh, Edmonton is just crazy about it. So I do this radio show there. And, you know, one of the first people I meet out there is George LaRock. George LaRock was one of the toughest enforcers in all of NHL, black guy. Him and I became friends. He would do little spots on my radio show. And then I became friends with Rafi Torres and Jared Stoll. And, you know, I'd be hosting parties at clubs and stuff like that. Those guys would come and hang out and they would come by the show. And the one thing I realized about, and I learned, that's like first time I ever had really real interaction with hockey players in all my life, pro hockey players. And in Toronto, when I was working in radio and I would do the clubs things, you'd have the Raptors. This is when the Raptors are first bubbling in, in, in Toronto and they'd be in the clubs. And you go and approach a basketball player, they got the VIP up, you can't talk to them. They're like, yo, they're they're awesome. I can't talk to you. You go to a hockey player, hey, what's going on, man? Come on, let's have a beer, let's hang out. Blah, 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 blah. And they were people persons. And I love that about them. And then now I'm going in and I'm watching these games. I'm just like, oh snap. This game is insane live, like the energy. And then I would look at George and I would think to myself, man, it's too bad he didn't have a couple other brothers that were playing with him. And they should. And I would think about what if LeBron James's parents put him in on the ice? What if Shaquille O'Neal's parents put him on the ice or Kobe Bryant's parents put him on the ice? And I'd just be thinking like that. And then yeah. I'd go home and I'd start, yeah, I'd start Googling black hockey players and I'd learn a little bit more and then I, I learned about the Colored Hockey League of the Maritimes in 1895 to around 1925, 1930. And that blew me away, man, because here I am, a hockey fan living in Canada, in Canada, the home of hockey, and nobody, no sports, no newspaper. I know I never nobody talked about this hockey league that was around. I heard about the Negro Baseball League, and that wasn't even the Canadian thing. Right. That's an American thing. Mm -hmm. So you'd think the home of hockey would talk about this league of all black players mm -hmm. in the 1800s. And so when I thought, hmm, I'm such a nerd with hockey. If I don't know about this, how many people don't know about that? Mm -hmm. And I've always been into film. And I always knew that one day I would make a film or do something. So I, in 2000, 2005, I just kind of stored all this information. and thought to myself, this might be a really cool idea to make a documentary about Blacks in Hockey. I just, at that time, I didn't know what it would be, but I knew that's something I wanted to do, and so I just started gathering information, and that's kind of where I came up with the, the idea to do a documentary about the history of Black athletes in hockey. So, It's a great story. That is an awesome story, and I'm, I'm curious, because reputationally as a whole, in America in particular, Mm -hmm. It's not a sport that embraces the black athlete. Um, right. And the and character it, of the black athlete, not the, the black character. athlete. It doesn't it, like the, the, the style, the swagger, that yeah. energy of black athletes. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. You're right. And, yeah, and you end up seeing that's PK, right? And, 
end up seeing the resistance show up mm-hmm. in the form of prejudices and bigotry from fan perspective. Mm-hmm. Which we're quick. I that happens in football too. Like think about like Terrell Owens, oh, like totally big, real big personalities. Yeah. Like oh, they're they're not professional. Like not a professional entertainer. Like mm. it, it, there's this the the swagger is allowed to a point, but then it's like capped and it's like penalized. But. And, and, and it's true. And, and this, I think kind of speaks to that wanting to be around people that you can talk to. Cause when, mm-hmm. you know, 72% of the athletes in football are black, like even if the fans are, are whatever they are to you, you, you kind of feel yeah. protected in a way. Right. But if you're the only one, yeah, yeah like there, that's a whole different mentality and mindset. Do you see the black athlete being more embraced? Do you see it being more resisted, especially given the historical culture of the NHL being just what you said it was before? Just this is who we are. This yeah. is what we do. Don't change it. Um, I think there, the, the industry has no choice but to embrace what's coming. Um, it's very slow because it's a very traditional industry. So those over celebrations is not there yet. And you have predominantly white players. And if they're not doing it, you got one black guy or two black guys that are really doing it. They're going to stand out a lot. But at the same time, it's like, it's interesting because hockey doesn't like it, but they like it. Yeah. They love when, 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 when all a Vetskin scores a goal and he jumps up and he, slams themselves they love that Mm -hmm. the fans love that you know and so that always kind of made me go so why when pk does it there's an issue why you know why is yeah i mean there's a guy timo solani you know what he used to do when he scored a goal he would throw his glove in the air take mm -hmm. his 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 stick like a a rifle and duck shoot it people love that i mean Mm -hmm. that was what was that the 80s and then so when you know so i i don't know i i think it's one of those things again where it's just like okay if you want to be sticklers like that that's fine but you know how much more you get how much more energy you would get out of the fans if you let these guys just show the personality and then another another kind of i would say like um theory on that and to be honest, it's no disrespect to the white athletes playing hockey. They don't got that swagger like black athletes. They just go in there, they just do their job, and then boom. Black athletes just, it's a dance. It's a its a—it's a flair. So, you know, their excitement and our excitement is two different things. Two different it's things. A cultural difference that they yeah. just can't access. So yeah. there's another part that I want to ask you about that exists in American football. I'm curious if, it, if this is part of this for hockey. Um, there is this component of you're lucky to be doing this. You're, you should be mm-hmm. happy you have this job. Right. So act like it's kind of the whole act like you've been there mentality. Like when you score a touchdown, just like do a sign of the cross and walk off or, or Talk whatever. Like that be, be classy, right? Be, mm-hmm. be classy. Um, even though we're paying you to entertain us. And yeah. when Gronkowski does a Gronk slam or celebrates Oh yeah, that's good old American fun. When mm. Terrell Owens slams a ball or signs a ball, oh no, he's crossed the line. He's eating popcorn. Yeah. Oh, that's he's, yeah, he's showboating. That's just too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. There's there's very Kaepernick is very much a 
you should be happy you get to play this game. It's very mm-hmm. much the undertone here. Do you feel that it has anything to do with it in hockey? Uh, I, I'm sure, you know, and I think that's a lot of that underbelly of trying to tell people what they can and can't do. Mm-hmm. And they have that mindset to say, you make so much millions of dollars, you shouldn't be talking about nothing but what is expected of you. Or you shouldn't be acting out because, you know, you're disrespecting the game. And to me, that's just, that's just, that to me is more of a jealousy than more than anything else. Because when you see somebody getting a lot of attention, there's just some human beings that just don't like to see that. And it's unfortunate because some of those people are those who are writing the checks, who are doing the announcing that control a narrative. So, you know, best example for me is like this. When I was in radio and I knew I was done, like, I was like, yo, Little Pump and all these, I'm like, yo, I'm from the era of Wu-Tang, Nas, that's my era. This is crap to me. <laughs> but you know what? I have to realize, be like, yo, it may not be for me. Right. But I understand why somebody likes it. Because when I was in certain part of my life, there was just something that when I heard it, man, get out of my way. Mm-hmm. And some people didn't understand that. So for me, I'm like, hey, I might not be into that, but if, the massive is there's a massive group that's into that who am i to say anything allow them to have some enjoyment so it's the same thing with sports and celebrations and how you can yo as long as they're not being disrespectful and whatever disrespectful means whatever if they're not being disrespectful who am i to tell you don't have fun playing a game you're playing a game have fun get the you know it's sports is is as always been entertainment vince mcmahon has always had it right it's sports entertainment that's what it is it's not i I try i tell our co-hosts on the podcast at kill that i'm like yo y'all can't be that yo it's you're you you you're here to entertain me let me have fun watching you Mm -hmm. if you're there stiff and uh yeah during the period we just dumped the puck in and um you know, it's just uh, we had to get our four check in there, and uh, you know, we tried to uh, play hard, and we'll try and uh, do it again, and say, "Yes, get off! Don't get off yeah. the mic! Don't talk to that yeah. guy!" Yeah, I don't want to hear from that guy. Here, let me hear from that guy that's just sweating. He's like, "Yeah, it's crazy out there, man." Chara in the corners. This guy's trying to take my head off, but you know what? <laughs> our boys are playing tight. You know, we got some. We're 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 pressuring hard. And we, we coming for them in the second period. And 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 if they want that smoke, they're gonna get that smoke. You know, I wanna that's gonna get me, you know. Let me get some fun yeah. out of this, man. I, I the think this respectful thing is interesting because it's like it's a game where I'm I'm trying to take your head off. I'm yeah. trying, I'm tr- I'm physically checking like, you. We are literally enemies on the ice. Like in all sports are like that. Yeah. Off, yeah. All off, sports. off. All sports. When you when the when the whistle's blown and we're out, let's go have a beer. But when we're, well, I used to play volleyball. I used to play volleyball. I'm 
I was aggressive in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, nah. This um, you know? conversation, though, I think brings up to the point of the first question. Like these, this is the nuance of that conversation. Like these are all the prejudices that exist that prevent people from wanting to take part. Yeah. They're not necessarily leading to racist policies within the NHL. Maybe they are, and that can speak to the accessibility, which will lead to the question I have. But um, at the end of the day, it's like evaluate your prejudice. Like, how are you, not the two of you, but, you know, how are you evaluating when a black athlete is on the ice versus all of the other white athletes or in any sport? You may be prejudiced because that's just what we are as people we have them we're human it's natural to have prejudices regardless of what they are and um, are you bigoted about it like do you hate them because of it that's one thing Mm -hmm. but then are you saying they shouldn't take part in it because of that and there's your racism so yeah and there's you know that that does exist don't get it twisted that does exist in the industry of hockey and it's always been there and in situations you know like you look at some of the guys that played, you know, in the 40s and 50s that should have had shots in the NHL and just never had shots, you know? Yeah, they just, right. They, you know, they just, their their prejudice became racial in the sense that, like, I'm not going to give you the shot that I would give this person. Mm. Yeah. And to me, racism is about, and one part of racism is not... Is, is is taking away opportunities from somebody just because they are a different color. Yeah. If because I'm black, you're not going to give me the opportunity, the same opportunity as that white guy, you're a racist. And that's happened in the game of hockey. Yeah, and having the power to do that, exactly. Yeah. Since you um, released the documentary, do you mm-hmm. see, and obviously not necessarily, there, there are other people that are involved in the exposure of the sport. Do you see it changing in America? Like, do you see it becoming more available and accessible in in areas? What I see right now with hockey since my films come out is the conversation is being had. Mm. So hockey is on the brain. People are like, oh, yeah, you know, I saw this movie about guys in hockey. Or, oh, yeah, you know, I've been hearing people talking about it. I'm going to check this out. The conversation is being had right now. There is going to be steps to getting hockey to a point where it looks and feels like North America. That's mm. going to be a very long time. Mm. The problem right now is that you've got a, a section of people that want to see change in hockey, but they expect it right now. Like all of a sudden, NHL is going to make changes and you're going to see more black people playing in the game of hockey. It's never going to happen. Because at the end of the day, we want the best athletes on that squad. I don't want you to put a white guy on my team just because he's a white guy, but he can't skate. I don't want you to do it for the black guy. I want you to put the best player on the end. So what this conversation where we're at right now is allowing people now to understand that there's more black athletes out there that are playing. So their awareness is up and their opportunities are going to be a lot more than it was, say, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Willie O'Ree broke into the league in 1958. The next time they had a black player play in the NHL was 1998. 
1974. Are you telling me that in 14 years there was no other black athlete that was good enough to play in the NHL? The reason why is because nobody was looking for them. Mm-hmm. Now the awareness is there, so you you're not going to get into a position like that ever again. In my opinion, it will we will go two steps back if in a draft year not one person of color is drafted. Every year going forth, somebody of color should be drafted because there are good enough athletes out there. Mm. So it is it, it you know since the films come out, it, I've seen the discussion change. Awesome. It very much reminds me of the conversation in employment. I mean, it's very it's a very similar conversation uh, and and issues. Um, what are you work working on today in hockey? Like, what's your so place? for me? You know, besides promoting, still promoting a documentary, I've just been blessed that, you know, I was able to create a film that is timeless, that message will always resonate, and it celebrates the history of our sport, the contribution of Black athletes in the sport, and it shows what it can be and what it looks like. So I'm blessed in the sense that I've been able to continue to show the film like this month again, like, you know, a lot of different places are playing it and um, people are going to get to rediscover the film. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm uh, a consultant with the National Hockey League right now. So I help them with, you know, any development in content or ideas going forward to help spread the game because of COVID, you know, if it wasn't, if, Kobe wasn't here, I'd be out there shooting different pieces of content for the NHL. That's what I was doing. So, you know, roles kind of scaled back a little bit, but hopefully when we get back to, you know, being out there with people, I'll get back into going out there and normalizing. Like, my whole thing is to normalize Black faces and voices in the game of hockey, and even minority faces and voices, not just Black. Once we normalize that, that's what helps us grow it, grow the game. So um, another thing that I'm doing is the podcast, Soul and Ice, the podcast. And it's myself, Akil Thomas, and Elijah Roberts. You know, we just talk hockey from our perspective and just kind of give it a different type of flavor. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now. And I'm just hoping that I can continue to do that and continue to spread the word and, you know, plant a seed. Because, you know, it's it's a movement, not a moment. And mm-hmm. my job here is to help plant a seed at that I may not see the full Douglas fern tree grow to its fullest capacity, but I know I was there dropping the seed at the very beginning. That's awesome. Um, well, um, we're gonna do what we can to help get the word yeah. out. Uh, sure. the, mo- the movie was emotional, movie's for me, dope, and like, yeah, like I told you it was a good story. I was halfway through it when we talked the first time, and then I finished yeah. it. And, um, I, so, I, I, man, it was, it was, it was and available on Amazon Prime for anybody yes. listening. You can check it out. Yes, it um, Soul on Ice. Um, that being said, with the last few minutes to make sure that we accommodate your time, we always have one final question. All right. And first, thank you for joining us and accepting oh, this us. random invitation to talk to two that's guys. Instagram. That's how Instagram works, right? That's right. Yeah. You just discovered things, and that's really it's cool. Dope. So, um, but Last Rodney, question is, what what do you want to leave everybody with? What do you want everybody to think about? Mm. You know, I, I guess for me, it's, it's it's you know, control what you can control. Don't mm. worry about things you can't control and what other people are doing. Do you know? Just 
just just control what what's in front of you and you know remember that this life it ain't that serious man it really ain't that serious you know we've had some troubling times in the last couple years you know and i don't know what anybody's politics are and it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day it's just like it's just like your shirt says just be a good person like Mm. i don't know why that's so hard for us to do and i mean we all have bad days and stuff like that but you know, I think we can have ourselves a better world if we just kind of think about what am I doing this for? And if your answer is I'm doing this so that the kids coming after can be in a better place, then you're on the right track. But if you're just doing it for yourself and your ego, it's just like I worry for you. So, you know, I think I just leave people with that and the simple fact that I love this game of hockey and I think that it could be for anybody if you want to explore it. And if you want to just give it a chance, I think you, you'd find the love just like I found the love in it. And don't let anybody tell you that hockey isn't for everyone because it, 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 it sure is. And don't let anybody put you in no box to say that you can't participate in this game because of X, Y, and Z. Let's, let's, you know, let's go. Live games. Yeah.